You were listening to episode 16 of the Design Influence with Albie Nose. Today's episode is one that is really, really special to me. But before I get into what the episode is about and why it's so special, I have to first and foremost apologize in advance for my voice. As you guys know, I am a huge champion of batching things and getting things done ahead of time so that you're not doing them later. And that's what I do with the podcast. The one thing, however, that I don't batch is my introductions, like this one, and my outros for the podcast. I try to do those a little bit closer to real time to when the episode is going to air in case I need to insert any relevant information, especially because I usually air the, I usually record the episodes ahead of time. So that's kind of how I bridge the gap, so to speak. Unfortunately, as I got closer and closer to this episode, my voice just started to go away and was not coming back. <laughs> and so this is the best that I have sounded in almost a week. And so thankfully, this is um, this is not how I sound throughout the whole episode, <laughs> just in the beginning and just at the end. But I wanted to go ahead and kind of just apologize in advance. And if you want to skip over my scratchy sounding intro, I will be sure to leave the timestamps in the show notes so that you can get straight to today's very special guest episode. It's one that is with someone I have admired from afar for quite some time. And since I've formally met her virtually and in real life, she's only continued to inspire me. And I know she inspires so many others. Today, I'm hanging out with Veronica Solomon. Veronica has been creating beautiful interiors for the last 10 years. So she knows a thing or two about the ups and downs of the interior design business. The landscape of this industry has changed dramatically over the years, and with all of its changes, she's learned how to package her services, market her business, and create an ironclad process that clients not only see the value in, but are willing to pay top dollar for. These processes and systems have grown her business exponentially, and not only have clients started to take notice, but so have publications, industry organizations, vendors, and fellow designers like myself. Veronica's design business has now grown to participating in designer showhouses, opening her own design showroom and studio, and real estate investing. Her passion for design continues to drive her, and she loves sharing her successes with young designers to help them navigate the maze of this profession, to do what we love and make money doing it. When I asked Veronica what her superpower was off air, she said client management, closing the deal, and diversifying services. Three areas that most creatives struggle with, especially in the beginning. But as I've continued to watch Veronica move within her business and in the industry, it hit me. Her real power is in being the CEO of her business. With or without a team, Veronica has adopted a mindset that has completely changed her business. And in today's episode, we dig into what the aha moment for her was that took her from bankruptcy to publication features. 
This is definitely going to be one of those episodes that you're going to want to pay attention and listen to. And I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up my mini High Point Rockstar series than with this rockstar. Welcome to The Design Influence, a show dedicated to changing the conversation and creating impact on and offline. The Design Influence is all about you, the online designpreneur, helping you be a better designer and entrepreneur in this new digital landscape. I'm your hostess with the mostest, online interior designer, content creator, and nonstop idea machine, Albie of Albie Knows Online Interior Design. If you're ready for some candid and caffeinated conversations about everything from decoding interior design tools to growing pains as an entrepreneur to figuring out what the heck it means to be an influencer, then turn up your earbuds and let's dive in. Hey guys, today I am super geeked to be chatting with one of my favorite human beings, Veronica Solomon. So Veronica, thank you for taking the time out to hang out with me today. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. So I've already given our listeners, you know, the rundown for those who have been under a rock and don't know who you are, but I want in your own words, to just kind of give them the quick and dirty rundown of who you are, um, what you do, why you're awesome. And then we're just going to dive right in. Sound good? Good, good. Well, uh, my name is Veronica Solomon. I am an interior designer, mainly residential, based in the Houston area, primarily in Katy, Texas. It's a small town here in Houston. And um, I've been in business for about 11 years and absolutely love what I do. Um, I've gotten to the point now where I've developed my business to the point where I feel confident um, mentoring other designers. So I do a lot of design mentoring for, you know, mostly young designers getting into the business. And um, I enjoy doing some community outreach as well. So I really enjoy every aspect of my business as much as possible. Still pretty much solo, even though I'm bringing on a team pretty soon. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what I do. I love it. And I'm glad you mentioned how long you've been doing this because for the people who are already familiar with you, you have a really impressive resume. Um, and those of you who don't know, Veronica has been featured in publications, she, you were recently on part of the design bloggers tour. Like you have a lot of accolades to your name, but it is 11 years in the making. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it seems because it's so funny that things seem to happen almost like they're happening overnight, but there's just so much work that went on behind the scenes over many years, lots of struggles to get you to the point where you're finally um, kind of getting into the things that you've always dreamed about getting into, getting some uh, a little bit of influence in the industry and getting into publications that you could only have dreamt about, you know, before. So yeah, I call it my overnight, my the long journey to my overnight success is what I call it. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that because especially designers in the beginner stage and even me myself, you know, we sometimes forget that the people we admire didn't just wake up like this, <laughs> you know? Um, it's, you know, the saying, you don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. And so I'm really glad you said that the long journey to your overnight success, that's, <laughs> that is an amazing disclaimer. That might be the new name of this title. So <laughs> of yourself. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. <laughs> so over those 10 years, you know, I'm sure you had to evolve to get to the place you are now. But what were some of the earlier challenges that you faced as like a newbie designer? 
Oh my goodness, there were many, but um, uh, most notable ones uh, was, uh, first of all, lack of confidence. I remember I used to dread going to um, consultations. I, <laughs> I would like sw- sweat on my way to the consultation, especially when it was a wife and husband. I was going to be meeting the husband as well. I was out of fear of you know, talking to men. It was so funny. And so confidence was a huge hurdle that I had to overcome. And then um, just not knowing the business side of things. You know, I, I felt like I had the talent and, and I was creative, but I just did not focus on the, uh, on the money side of it. I didn't understand that I was running a business. And I, I, a lot of times I just kind of got run over by clients. I mean, I don't think they did it intentionally, but because I opened myself to it. So those were some challenges I had to overcome um, and not setting goals. I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants and not really looking at things um, uh, from the long term um, that, okay, I want to be in business for a long time. I need to make profits. I need to um, be able to cover my overhead and pay myself. So I wasn't looking at it as a business. And so those things really created some unnecessary challenges for me in the beginning. But yeah, you kind of have to learn and live and learn through those things and get better and better every, every year. I absolutely can promise you that there are designers who are listening like, me too. <laughs> because we're, we're so good at the creative. Um, you give us some paint swatches and some samples and like we can make magic, but it's the business that's really where things can fall short. And it's the business that, that you need to nurture the most. So when, if at all, when would you say you had the aha moment where you really started saying, no, I'm a businesswoman or a, a quote unquote CEO. Like what was that switch for you? When I almost lost everything. <laughs> um, I literally had to file bankruptcy one year. Um, I was working hard. Um, you know, I had the honest integrity of getting up every single day and deciding that day that I'm going to be working hard and to get to my goals and get to the things that I wanted for my kids. And no matter how hard I was working, nothing was happening. It's just because I was doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And um, when I almost lost it, I really realized that I had to change something. And that's when I started to dig deep into business books and learning the business side of it, and then start gathering some great resources that um, started putting me on the right path. And some of the things that I learned is just building simple processes and systems into your business. First, gave myself a raise because it was time. Um, and that's, that's kind of something that you have to really think about your market and think about what you have to offer. But I gave a lot of thought to all that, gave myself a raise and started bringing a little bit, of, a little bit more money in that way realizing that um, a lot of my profits was tied to selling products. So I need to take care of that side of the business a little bit better. And so when I started having that sense of, okay, this is a business and it's okay to make some money doing it, it started changing things for me. So yes, the, the big aha moment was almost losing it all. It's, it's, it's a very humbling feeling, let me tell you. I can imagine. And I really appreciate you sharing that because, I mean, you've always been pretty candid when it comes to talking about money, but that is something, especially losing money, that a lot of people don't really want to talk about. And so it wasn't just a mindset shift of I am better than this, but you needed a literal, tangible kick in the butt to really <laughs> start making some changes. Yes, absolutely. It was, it was do it or die, basically. And, um, I had two little kids who were depending on me and um, I just had to do it for them. That's what kind of gave me that extra drive to get up every day and just immerse myself into doing better at business versus trying to be the best designer on the planet. And yes, I still had that as a goal to be great at what I, I was doing, 
But yes, I, I also needed to make money doing it. And so, I mean, and that's something people struggle with, that, that relationship with money. They don't know how to charge. They're billing incorrectly. They're second guessing themselves. So you had that mindset shift. What were some of the actual real world changes that you immediately start to put in place? Like you said, you gave yourself a raise. Um, what did that look like in like practical terms? Uh, sorry, repeat that question. What were like some like, immediate changes that you knew you had to put in place once you kind of got your mind right, basically? Okay. Yeah. Well, so yeah, first giving myself a raise, that was the first thing that, um, because not only did it bring me a little bit more income, it, it was a shift in confidence. Now I was able to kind of stand firm in what I was doing and say, you know what, I'm, I'm worth this. So it, that started to change things for me mentally. And then I started to develop um, a better way of billing for products that I was selling. Like um, now I knew that I can't just be like, you know, giving a client a, a piece of furniture just because, oh, it's okay, you can have that piece, you know, and, and I don't make any money off of it. I had to realize the risks involved with what I was doing. I had to realize the back end things that it took because I was actually losing money in some projects. I would like, you know, I didn't realize, I didn't understand my numbers basically. So I was losing money off of purchasing items for clients because I wasn't um, adding enough of a markup or um, paying attention to what my profit margins needed to be, um, taking on certain risks that I had no business of taking on. So those were some of the things. And then I ended up starting to get into diversifying a little bit of my product offerings and service offerings. So I started looking at things from the perspective of, I would love to have income coming in from different angles. And this is before it was a thing. I mean, everybody's doing it now and their you know, passive income seems to be the big buzzword now. But I, I was doing that a long time ago only because I knew that if you know, um, the leaves dried up over here, I would love to have you know, clients still coming my way. So I was doing custom window treatments a whole lot because it was one of those um, services that I could offer to clients that did not necessarily have the funds to do an entire home, but they just wanted something um, that would give them an impact right away. And so some of those smaller services developed as a result of the idea of making more money in my business. So yeah, a lot of little changes happen. And then for the first time I went to High Point Market, I think it was back in 2012. I can't even remember what year it was now. And um, <laughs> and that's when I really got into, oh my goodness, I need to start doing custom products. And um, so clients can't necessarily shop me or, or have access to some of these products. And so that is all of those things kind of just tied in together and helped me to build my whole um, system around profitability. Oh my, you just, I, I can hear a collective scatter for pen and paper so people can write down what they're saying because a lot of what you hit on are the struggles that designers are dealing with, but they're not even sure where to start pulling and to start changing and you, you implemented these shifts a little bit at a time. I, I, I don't imagine you just woke up one Tuesday and just co- did a complete overhaul of your business. Right. But it was more like a progressive change, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's, it's little by little and a lot of trial and error too, because again, it wasn't, um, this was years and years ago when yes, this information was kind of out there, but you had to really search for it. It's, it wasn't like it's um, as it is today, where it's so readily available. So I'd implement little by little. And it's amazing to me that when you open yourself um, to learning and you open yourself to new ideas, they find you. Because I remember um, putting my systems together because I was doing a lot of research and 
studying business books and kind of how to do business better. And I was looking at other industries. I wasn't just looking at interior design industry because I really was curious about what other creatives were doing and what other successful companies, software companies were doing. So kind of put all that information together. But what it was, it was just a whole bunch of information that I didn't quite know what to do with. And then I ended up going to High Point one year and um, sat in on a talk. <laughs> in fact, I was just killing time. I did not plan for it. It was just, it, I was just happy. <laughs> I, I needed lunch, actually. I happened to be standing there, saw that they were serving lunch in this place. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go sit through this little talk. And it happened to be Kimberly Selden. And um, I heard this woman speak and I was just, it all completely just brought it all together for me. So it was things that I was already kind of doing, but it, it was in little bits and pieces and didn't quite come together. And she brought it together for me just from that one little talk that she did there. And so, so that changed the game a lot for me, but yes, it's not an overnight thing. First of all, and I tell this to my mentees that you really do have to set yourself up first. You have to make sure that yes, if you're going to raise your rates. Um, you can't just get up one day and okay, I'm just going to charge $200 an hour, you, there needs to be a strategy behind it. You have to be aware of what your market is doing. You have to be aware of what your experience and expertise is and the clients that you're trying to get to. Do you have a website presence? All of those little things tie into you know, the changes that you're going to make. So you don't just make changes that don't make sense. So that's why you have to kind of look at your business as a whole, look at your goals, where you're trying to get to, and then start implementing changes a little by little uh, until you get to the goals that you're trying to reach. Um, and I'm glad you hit on that note because a big struggle and something that you are known for doing very well is positioning and pricing yourself for profitability. But as you said, you know, you can't just wake up and say, I'm going to charge, you know, X amount of dollars because that'll get me to my goal. If it doesn't make sense, then you won't get the clients and the projects that'll pay you that yeah. amount of dollars. And you're still in the same position you were before when you were charging yeah. peanuts. <laughs> yeah, I find that it's like, uh, it's like two extremes in, in this industry. It's, it's designers who are uh, afraid to, to charge anything because they are scared that they won't make any money and they, they may be worth a little bit more than they, they think they can charge. And then there's the other extreme where some designers just kind of look at it. So um, it's just this random thing and they don't have a real strategy behind it. It, it should be a thoughtful thing and um, it, it should be something that ties in with your goals and your overall big picture of your business. And I know that's a, a lot of us fall short. I mean, I'm not like a fan of like sitting down with my numbers either, uh, but I know the importance of doing it because um, when I can sit down and set the goals for, my, for myself, for the year, for each quarter, even for, for the week, um, I, I know when I'm falling short, like the goal that I set for myself for, um, for this year, for my total revenue, I knew that I was falling short of that goal. And I knew that I needed to step things up like, you know, mid year. So those, and that's why when people see me hustling and they don't understand what's going on, Veronica is just in this hustle mode. That's because <laughs> I just, I mean, I did not hit my goal last quarter. I need to get to it, you know? And so you have to know those things and know when to make the shifts and know when to make the changes before it's too late. It's funny how most creators don't like the numbers until they see the numbers in the bank account. They're like, oh, I don't like those numbers either. I know. You cannot wait for, you can't wait till you see the bank account almost heading to red before you start making changes. You know, it needs to, it needs to happen from day one. And I'm glad you mentioned Kimberly Selden because, I mean, you've been pretty open about this. She's definitely a big person who influenced a lot of your shifts. And I remember it was an interview you did with her. I don't remember if it was your first or your second. And she pointed out that you were on track, I want to say this year for 2018, 
to one of your biggest or most profitable years. Um, and so kudos to you. Thank you. What is, you know, what does that mean, you know, as someone who's been doing this so long, like, is it something where you were like, why didn't I start doing this 10 years ago? Or did you really have to go through all of that to really get to a point of hitting this large year? You know, I really think it's 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 important to to go through some struggles. I know nobody wants to struggle, but they really do help you. Because for me personally, I learn when I've experienced something. I have to be hands-on with something to learn. And because I've gone through some of those early struggles, they've helped me to realize that, okay, I don't want to go through that again. It doesn't mean, though, that I don't um, look at other people's struggles and realize that, okay, let me not do that, right? <laughs> So that's what I try to empower um, other designers. Okay, I did it this way. Don't, don't do that or do it this way. And while I don't try to impose the way I work on anybody else, I just um, offer suggestions and ideas and help them strategize. But um, those hardships that I went, because I mean, they're beyond struggles. They were like hardships. <laughs> um, they, I, I felt like I needed to experience those things to really get to this point. And I mean, I, I only really started making good profits in my business just about four years ago. So it's not like, I mean, I remember one year I lost so much money. I lost a lot of money. I mean, it's like I was paying my clients to, to work with me. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what it felt like at the end of the year. And just imagine working your tail off all year. And then at the end of the year, you have nothing to show for it. And so that was just something that, you know, I thought to myself, that can't happen again. And so I feel like that had to happen for me. I'm a little bit hardheaded. And, um, you know, my, my, my mom used to tell me that a lot. So maybe that has something to do with it. But oh, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's the West Indian in us. Maybe. I think so. I think it's the West Indian in us. And, um, but yeah, you, sometimes you have to go through those things. But it's also important to kind of learn from others' mistakes and um, whoever is willing to share those struggles with you and what not to do, you, you should listen because there, there's just so many things that there's so many unknowns in the industry. And if you're not careful, if you're young at the business and you're not really aware of the business side of things, you can fall into some of those traps. Now, there's two things I want to unpack from that. One, you pointed out you didn't start making a profit until about four years ago. And often, and I, I feel like I mentioned this recently to someone, people are getting paid, you know, they're, they're getting hired. And so they feel like they're making money until at the end of the year, they now it's like, oh, I owe left and right. And mm -hmm. so get into a little bit that difference between you're bringing in some income versus bringing in actual profit. Yeah, I mean, you could be making a million dollars in revenue and you are spending, you know, 900000 whatever. You're not necessarily making money if you're spending it all, you know, if it's all going back into cost of goods sold. So you have to be aware of profit margins. So everything that you're doing, you have to set a standard for your business and realize that, okay, I need to make X amount in profits. And so after each project that I complete for a client, I go back and I review those numbers on those projects and I say, and I, and I look at the big picture and see how much my, my net income was on that project. And what that tells me, because sometimes I look at it, and I'm like, oh no, I felt beyond, I fell beyond that or um, I fell short of the profit margin that I'd set for this. Maybe it's because I screwed up on something and I had to pay out for something that I didn't expect to. So that's a lesson in itself that, okay, I need to tighten up this part of my business. I cannot, um, this unknown thing cannot be sitting out there. I need to make sure I do better. So you have to like really look at individual projects, individual clients, everything coming in 
And you have to set those numbers, first of all, set those goals. And then after you finish with those projects, you have to review those numbers and learn for the next one. Because if you keep just going down the road and just kind of doing your thing, and yes, you may have money in your bank account, but then at the end of the year, you realize, oh, I owe more taxes than I thought I did, or, oh, I didn't cover these expenses over here. Some of these, like, the expenses, we, we don't, we don't get invoices till, you know, months later sometimes. And, you know, some of these things aren't accounted for if you're not doing it right. So yes, there is a difference between seeing the money coming in and really actually making uh, a, a profit in business. And with that, like, you're, you're not just relying on just your services. You know, you have product sales, and then even within your services, you have a wide catalog of services that you're offering. Like to your point, essentially, you built in some passive income, some recurring income. How did you get to a point of deciding this is, this is what makes the most sense versus putting all your eggs in like one basket? Like you mentioned the window treatment, treatments, for example. Was it from doing a window treatment project that you were like, oh, I need to look into this more? Like, how's that going about? Well, first of all, it's being self-aware. I knew in business that I did not have to be like everybody else. When I, when I got to the point where I realized that, okay, I can kind of do my own thing because really, honestly, think about it. That's why I started a business. I wanted to be my own person. I did not do very well with people telling me what to do. Honestly, I, I, I will <laughs> tell you that, you know, I was not, I mean, I was a good employee wherever I worked, but I would question things that didn't make sense to me. And employers don't like that when you question their, their, their things. Right. But, um, so, but the biggest thing for me was because I, I started my business in recession. And, um, during that time, obviously I was starting out new. That's number one. So I did not have any expertise behind me, a little bit of talent, hardly any education. So, um, so I, I, I had to go in and kind of take what I, what I got, you know, I, I had to do free consultations for a while. I would do work for cheap just to kind of get my feet wet and then I realized that there was a huge market for window treatments because even though people weren't necessarily spending on their homes, they were still interested in doing something because, you know, the recession, people don't want to spend their money, but that whole spirit and that whole feeling of home never leaves you, you know? And so, yeah. I mean, just to do window treatments or to come fluff pillows or do a little one day makeover and, you know, charge like $300 for a day to go in and, you know, help somebody fix their living room or whatever. So, um, so those little things helped me later on to realize that, okay, so those seemingly were recession proof type things. Cause you know, I was getting that kind of work during a recession. Why not kind of build on those things in a, at a high level? Because I didn't want to charge $300 anymore to go in and do somebody's living room in a, in a whole day. But how, how about if I included this or included my handyman and included a, um, this, whatever it was, just build a nice little um, structured service and charge a flat fee for it and just have that available for clients who can't necessarily afford to pay me for a full service. So what, and I, and I love it. I enjoy I enjoy the big, wonderful projects where I go in and do like a whole lower level or a, a group of rooms or something. But I absolutely love when I can go in and solve somebody's immediate problems and help them just have that great feeling of home, just telling them where to put their furniture and move things around and add a little bit of accessories on a shelf here. I still like doing that stuff. I think it's because that was my lifeline, my bread and butter for so many years. And it just feels disloyal to kind of turn my back on that. And it brings me good money. So why not do it? And so my clients are happy and I'm happy. So that's to me what it's all about. And so diversifying is kind of where, but I try to keep it within the same, you know, 
interior design. I'm not going to go sell children's clothing or something online, you know, <laughs> that's not my thing. <laughs> it still needs to be um, something that I genuinely feel passionate about. And it still needs to be something that kind of ties into, into what I'm already doing. And for other people, it could be different. I mean, if you enjoy children's clothing, absolutely go ahead and do that. But for me, I still needed to do something that's tied back into my interior design business and the things that I'm most passionate about. You know what I love most about that is that you took those, that, those things that you just needed to kind of hustle at the beginning and kind of flip them on their head. Like, no, these can be big money makers. Like a lot of times people will forget their roots, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I did little consultations, but now that I'm, you know, bigger, I can focus on just big projects. And mm-hmm. you, what you're saying is essentially, no, you can still take those little things and just kind of elevate them and they continue to add to your pipeline, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I and there's so many designers and um, mentors and coaches in the industry that I respect. And uh, I was listening to one recently where um, they were talking about um, when you get to a certain point in your business and you outgrow certain clients uh, and it's okay. And, uh, you know, while I loved everything I was listening to, I thought to myself, I don't want to outgrow my clients. I actually don't want to outgrow my clients. Yes, I'd love for them to grow with me because a lot of times they do. I've had clients that called me in several years ago just to fluff pillows and now I'm doing huge projects for them. So they've grown with me. They still want me or they can't afford me any longer because, you know, my fees went up, but they may still have me come in for one day or they may refer somebody to me. Um, that they know can afford me. Whatever it is, I don't want to outgrow them and leave them behind and think that, okay, well, you know, like I said, like I said before, it feels like I'm turning my back on them. And um, you, you just have to educate them uh, as to, okay, where I am right now, because they want, they want the best for you. When you do good for clients and you, you, you help them to create that feeling that they want and you, um, you were advocating for them and you, were, you, you, you provided strong customer service, all those wonderful things, those clients never forget who you are and they want you to thrive. They want you to do well. So even when you've grown and grown they're they want to be there for you and they still will refer people to you. They still recommend you. They follow you on Facebook and they comment on your stuff and whatever it is, I find that happens right now in my business. And so I could never, never look back and think I'm too good for those clients. You know, I, I still want to service their needs as much as I can. I can't do everything, but I can, I can try. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so um, interesting to hear you explain it that way, because while on the surface, it may seem like you have a lot of services, it's really all kind of coming down to the same thing. You're just offering it in a different way. It's kind of like Target offers delivery or they offer pickup or they offer curbside pickup. It's just kind of meeting them where they are, but it's still all the same thing, essentially. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, a a client can call me in to come in and do their entire home, a whole 8,000 square foot house, you know, and um, I go in and do everything from start to finish concierge level. And then I'll have a client over here that wants just um, an e-design. I'll go in and I'm going to treat that client just as if their money is just as valuable as that huge budget client. It's just that, you know, this is what you get for this budget. It's still going to be at the highest level possible because I'm involved with it. You're not going to get me managing it, of course, because, you know, let's be reasonable. But I can give you a really solid design. I'll help you figure out how to place your furniture. I'll help you do all of that stuff. Give you the shopping list so you can go, go shop for these items. I'll still make sure it's good quality. If your budget is too low, I'll still talk you through. Let's phase this out. Do this phase first 
three months later, do this, whatever. I'll still give them that high level, um, you know, deliverables. It's just that they won't get everything, obviously, that the 8,000 square foot client is getting. But it doesn't mean you still can't supply their needs and give them what they need. You know, and even somebody who just needs, you know, two hours of my time to go out to their homes and kind of help them, just give them some guidance and help them kind of figure out what direction to go. And sometimes I even say to my clients, you know what? I know you probably won't hire me for this project because, you know, it already sounds like I'm going to be out of your budget, but here are some questions that you can ask your next designer. You know, I I help clients like that. Like you want to ask them this question. You want to make sure they do this. You want to make sure they explain this process to you. And that to me is high value, you know, for $500, they're getting something that they never had before. And that is a reward for me. It's, it's total reward for me. And that's what I'm talking about. It's not like I'm cheapening my, my services and I'm not trying to get everybody's money. What I'm trying to do is really be the best I can for people at whatever level they are. And I, I'm, that is something that a lot of people struggle with because they feel like they, I have to just be high end or I have to be the budget friendly designer or I have to be this or I have to be that. And you're saying just meet them where they are. And this is, I'm sure this has been reflective in the fact that you are now bringing profit. You know, you're not leaving money on the table. You right, know? Right. Did you know that we have a shop? Yes, the design influence has a shop. Running your business is more than just beautiful mood boards and design projects. You have to be able to protect yourself, present your ideas in a clear way, protect your clients, get paid, outline your processes, all of this on top of the creative so that your business is always showing up as a clear, precise, and effective machine. That is why we launched our template shop as well as the influence directory. In the template shop, you will find easy, ready to download and easy to customize templates, everything from e-design contracts to proposals and briefs to get you started on really systemizing your business and clarifying your processes. The influence directory, on the other hand, gets a little bit deeper. It's a little bit more robust, because it is an index of courses designed to help you maximize your expertise and influence. So from software to strategy, tools to tactics, I've pulled all of my knowledge and all of my resources to help you learn, connect, and thrive in your own designpreneur journey. Head over to thedesigninfluence.com forward slash resources to get started with some of our templates and also to sign up with some of the courses that will be rolling out later this year. See you on the other side. Now let's get back to the conversation. Um, so what would you say out of all, you know, all the these arms of your business, the different levels of services, the product selling, all of these different pieces that you pull together to structure your business in this way, would you say you have a specific kind of like bread and butter where majority of your profits coming from or is it kind of like a little bit throughout um, most of my profits still come from my full service pro- um, projects because of product sales um you know i still obviously charge a good amount for my design fees because i feel like i'm at the point of my career where, where i can do that i have the the, the the battle scars to prove it <laughs> but um <laughs> you know but product sales for me is huge and I, I know it's, it takes a little bit of work and it takes a little bit of um, structure and you, you kind of have to know what you're doing. 
but it's something that you can learn easily. And so, you know, I make way too much money on that to just like neglect that part of my business. So it, it definitely is, is a big income earner for me. And um, I encourage other designers to, to really get involved in that part. So now at the, the stage that you are in your business, would you say you are a designer first and then, you know, a businesswoman or a businesswoman who happens to be a designer? <laughs> yeah, it's the latter. I definitely, um, I'm all about the business part of it. And you know what? Here's the thing. I'm learning every single day. I, <laughs> when, when, when you say that people expect that you are this, um, you know, as if I'm Elon Musk or something, I'm not. I am still learning every <laughs> single day. And um, in fact, I just hired a business strategist. He, this guy has um, scaled um, software companies and, and kind of brought them. Because you get to a point in your business where you're, um, you've done everything within your realm of understanding and within your power. And uh, you, then you have, to, you have to know when it's time to bring in those experts who know more than you do. And so that's why this guy came into the picture. And so what I am trying to do right now is, okay, how can I still provide a great level of service that I provide to my clients that they look for and still keep building and still keep growing and not have my hands on everything? Because right now I do, and it worked for me for many years. And that's what I prefer to do is like work alone because I honestly thrive working alone. I know it sounds almost selfish saying that, but I, I thrive working <laughs> alone because I, I'm like a robot. I'm just like very, um, you know, or, well, I'm not you even surprised, well. to be honest with <laughs> But I mean, I just kind of get it done. I just know it needs to be done. It gets done. And now I know that, okay, so now I need to start delegating some of these other little things. And I started doing that by um, bringing in um, freelancers to help me to, to do certain projects. But, you know, I'm at the point now where, yes, it, it's kind of time to bring in a, a different set of, of skills to complement my skills. But yeah, it's, um, it, it's always kind of just growing and growing as a business person you never ever are going to know every single thing because there's just so many changes that happen in this industry alone. And so you just always have to be a business person. And um, yes, the creativity comes, especially when you're making money, you find you're super creative when you're making money. Let me tell you, so <laughs> that's not the hard part. It's really the business part. That's the struggle. And I'm glad you mentioned that you, you know, you're bringing people on because for the large amount of services that you offer as of right now, you don't, have a team, but you're realizing, okay, if I want to continue to grow, if I want to continue to scale, I need to bring in a supporting team, more experts, you know, whatever that is. And I know that is a major pillar of why you have now gotten into mentorship to kind of really be possible, you know, be that for someone else and kind of pay it forward, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, the mentorship thing for me just um, happened so organically. It was almost like there was something in me that was, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to do it myself. It was just something that was like driving me to do it. And I mean, you're a believer like I am, we're Christian. So I guess I can come out and say it, but I know it's, it's that, that was within me. That was like prompting me that Veronica, remember where I took you from you. It's your turn to help somebody else get to this point. And so I just got it one day and just like, okay, I want to give this back to somebody else because They don't need to go through those struggles that I went through. So yes, my mentorship developed because of that. And and because I saw that there was a struggle with this whole business side of it. I saw that that was the hardest part for a lot of designers. And so I wanted to share what I was doing correctly, things that I was learning. And and because it was just such a big difference to me um, night and day when I saw the changes happening in my business. 
you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, if I was only doing this, this is what would have been happening years ago. And so I could see tangible changes and I really wanted to bring those um, ideas and those strategies to other people. And so I started out doing it just, you know, my group. Um, and of course, it's grown to so many um, designers. And then, of course, I'm um, the one on one just started developing from there because I really wanted the opportunity to sit down with somebody, understand what their individual needs were and see how I can help them. And I'm always careful to tell them, listen, I'm not a coach. I've never once claimed to be a business coach. I never got formal training as a, as a coach or a psychologist or whatever. I'm just sitting here and telling you what I've done and sharing my experience and a little bit of the knowledge that I have and help you figure out what you can do to change your business for the better. And um, I feel like I've done a, a, a great, um, a great, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel like I've done some great things with that. And I'm really proud of that part of what, what I offer to the design community. And I really hope to continue to develop that, even though um, interior design will always be my number one thing. I want to continue to develop my um, mentoring services because I really see where it helps other designers. So uh, that, that brings me actually to a perfect place to kind of get into what's next, you know, for you. Like, aside from your bank account, I can only imagine your life has changed so much, really taking on this mindset of a businesswoman. You know, your business is growing, yes, but you're doing mentorship. Your visibility has blown up. <laughs> you know, I feel like, you know, you are getting so many amazing opportunities. So what is next? in this next season, um, at the time of recording, you know, full transparency, we're like two weeks away. <laughs> so what is next for Veronica Solomon? Well, and you caught me at the right time because this is kind of when, I, when I'm making my goals for next year. I'm still, still contemplating, uh, you know, what I'll be doing for sure. I haven't really finalized things yet, but um, a lot more. There's a lot that I want to do. And some things are just the, the big dreams that, um, I have a list of dreams that may or may not happen that year, but I'm going to go for it with my every every fiber of my being. And then there are ones that definitely need to happen. So I have like a financial goal that I definitely want to happen and I think it will happen. And then I have another financial goal that like, okay, this would be awesome if it happened. Um, so that's the biggest thing for me is just setting the financial goals. That's the first thing, getting some bigger projects that will get me a little bit more um, in terms of national, um, um, national press. Um, so I'd love to get... Um, get into one of the bigger, you know, the bigger magazines. And then um, I'd love to be able to start doing a little bit of my product offering. So that's probably going to be, I can't get into details about that yet because I'm still kind of developing the idea and the concept of that. So that hopefully will be next year. But I want to do a little bit more um, speaking um, to designers. Um, you know, I'm not a big public speaker, but in a small intimate um, setting is more what I want to do because I really feel like, I've gotten this quite a bit from other designers that they really like that one and one. They they it's 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 okay to kind of go to a conference and somebody's up on stage talking, they, they get something from that. But when they can sit in a small intimate gathering with maybe like 10 other designers and learn something and you're kind of looking them in the eye, it, they find that to be much more beneficial. And so I have one already scheduled for January, which um it's kind of like a shadow day. I want to do many more of those going forward. Um, I'd love to kind of start looking into putting like a book together in, in some form. Um, and of course, just really um, bringing in some workshops for, not workshops, but I, I want to call them classes for, um, for consumers because that is 
one of those passive income things that um, I'd love to be able to to bring to consumers. I know that's a hard thing to do because I, I tried it several years ago and it didn't quite work, but um, I, I don't think I was ready for it. And um, I think I am now where I want, I still want consumers to be able to just go buy this, um, I guess course, let's call it course. I didn't want to call it course because it sounds like learning and people don't like yeah. it. <laughs> so I was trying to find another name for it, you know? But I want to offer a couple of those things just at a, at a fair price where consumers can go in, purchase that, and it teaches them a really good skill, like how to decorate their bedroom or whatever. So I want to bring out a little bit more of those things um, next year as well. But, you know, the big focus is building the team and um, building the revenue, having a really tight pipeline where it's, it's, it's consistency. And, um, and then I can start doing some of the little offshoot things that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I, first of all, I'm glad that you have, you said it, you guys heard it here first, we're going to speak it into existence, but I'm also glad, and I, I'm sure you're going to hit, if not all of them, most of them, but I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, with some of the things you may have tried it before and you just weren't ready for it. Mm-hmm. So knowing where you are now, seeing how you've grown, what advice would you have given younger Veronica 10, 9, 11 years ago? <laughs> Just to um, understand where you are and what uh, and what things you need to tackle first, um, I you know because we we're all dreamers, we're all creative, so we have bright big ideas all the time. I mean, I literally I, I literally be like in the shower and my biggest ideas come to me, you know. And I'm the kind of person like as soon as I have an idea, I have to do something um, with it. I have to either go okay, let me just go put this on paper or let me go start like a web, like a web page or something so I can start creating it. But I always have to put it into practice. And um, sometimes it takes off and the idea it's, it's time for it. And then sometimes that thing just sits there and sits there and sits there. And I will tell you this, the web page, the um, courses that I'm thinking of doing for consumers, as I mentioned, I, I attend, attempted that um, many years ago. And that web page, I created a web page to kind of just kind of see what it would look like because I'm very visual like that. And that page is what I picked up again and started revising it. And so it was just not time, you know, to do it three, four years ago. But now I have some other ideas and I think the market is ready for it. And I think, you know, with, with all of the DIY type things going on, you know, the time is better for it. And so a lot of times you, you kind of have to just take your ideas don't give up on them, you know, kind of put them over here and know that it's okay to revisit them years from now. And it's okay if you try something sometimes and fail at it or what we consider failure. It's just another step in, um, you know, developing it. It's just another stepping stone. So that idea doesn't have to be a dead idea. It's just something that wasn't quite time for it. You, you needed to kind of, you know, I remember growing up in Jamaica, we'd go to the market and we'd get like fruits and the fruits, they weren't like quite ripe yet. So we can't eat it right then and there. So we put them like in a brown paper bag and we put it in the back of the pantry. So <laughs> it would yeah. ripe, you know, and then you pull it out like a week later and it's perfect. It's so delicious. It's the same thing with your ideas, you know, you go buy it and it's not quite ready and you put it up and it's, it's ripe and then it's time and it's delicious. So that's kind of how I approach my ideas. And so don't think that, um, I hear people talk about the shiny object syndrome a lot and it's true. We, we fall for that a whole lot and we fall for, we, we, we think we have to put everything into action, but sometimes you, you kind of have to do it and just feel it out. Know that it's not time yet park it on the back burner, move on to something else that you're ready for, and then revisit it again. And then if you keep revisiting it and it just doesn't work out, then throw it out and move on. But um, I feel like 
it's a God-given ability that we have and we, we need to nurture that and respect that when we get these ideas, these creative ideas. I absolutely love that. And I appreciate you putting a different context on shiny object syndrome. I am someone, I have a whole Trello board, literally it's called Idea Bank, and I just dump all kinds of ideas in there or I talk into my voice recorder. So I can relate to that. Sometimes you got to know when to park it, when to drop it, or when to go full force. So, I mean, this this podcast is a testament of something going full force, and I parked something else. So I, I, I can appreciate you really kind of flipping the, the thought process of, you know, shiny object syndrome. Um, we can talk all day. Oh my goodness. Um, but um, uh, one last question, and then we are going to have to unfortunately end the conversation. Veronica, this has been amazing. What has been, cause you've been a major influence to me, so I can't wait to hear your answer. What has been influencing you lately, whether it's personal or in business? Oh, what's influencing me lately? It's really just um, to really be stronger and better at what I do. I'm, I'm just, I always try to compete with myself, I guess, and, um, and do something better than I did it before or I'm always progressing. And I, I think, again, it's probably the heritage. Um, that's how we always were. Uh, we always try to, to do better every year, I guess. And so that is kind of what is influencing me right now is just getting better and better and going for those big goals and really just kind of proving that um, it can be done. It can be done even for people who um, kind of the odds were against them or, you know, you you weren't necessarily born into it or you didn't necessarily have it handed to you or you may be the person that the least likely to um, succeed. You know, when you're in high school and the yearbook comes out, you're probably the one that got chosen (laughs) least likely to succeed or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, it's just sometimes (laughs) you're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it to prove that it can be done. And uh, there's a certain amount of of satisfaction that comes from that. Um, You know, I I see people that follow me now. um, Some of them are from high school. And, you know, sometimes I look back and I wonder, did, did we ever think we would be doing the things that we we're doing back then? You know, how many of my high school um, friends thought I'd be an interior designer, you know, much, let, let alone make money doing it, you know? And so not that I'm showcasing that or showing that off, but it just kind of gives me that fuel to keep moving in the right direction. And of course, just kind of helping somebody else along the way. And um, it's because you don't get these gifts and these blessings and these abilities just to keep for yourself because it's just so lonely to do that anyways. You always have to bring somebody Mm -hmm. along with you. And so so that's a big driver for me as well is um, that's what inspires me and really gives me that feeling of let me get up in the morning and do this, you know, and my clients. I mean, I absolutely love working with my clients. I know I I see it all the time. You know, people complain about clients and I don't know if I've ever really complained about clients, to be honest with you, because I've always been just so grateful that people actually pay me to do this, you know, and, um, but I'm really, so eternally, <laughs> I'm really grateful for them that, you know, people actually call me to their homes. They trust me with their homes. They trust me with their lives, um, with their money and, um, know that I can do a good job for them. And to me, that is just, um, always thriving to do better and better for my clients because that, that to me is, the biggest compliment somebody could ever give me is trusting me with things that are important to them. I love that. And I mean, that's, that really is what they're doing. They're letting you into their home. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that is a good way to kind of keep yourself from feeling like, 
what am I complaining about? This person opened up their life and their home to me. So, oh, so many good nuggets today. Um, Veronica, where can our listeners find you, stalk you, fall in love with you, and just get all your goodness? Where can they find you? Okay, so uh, my consumer-facing website is veronicasolomon.com, or you can also find me at casavillorainteriors.com. They both take you to the same place. And um, if you are a designer listening, um, you can reach me at veronicasolomonuniversity.com. Awesome. And, and all of on Instagram. We can't forget Instagram. Oh. <laughs> at Casa Villora. C-A-S-A-V-I-L-O-R-A. <laughs> Perfect. And all of this will be in the show notes so you guys can click the links and like and follow. Again, Veronica, thank you again for hanging out with me today. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks so much, Albie. It was a pleasure. You guys, you guys, first of all, I'm so glad I didn't sound like this during the episode because it was such a good one. Talk about small but mighty because even though it wasn't one of my usually longer guest episodes, it was packed from start to finish with powerful insights. Paying yourself first, understanding business principles, diversifying services, So many of us get into our businesses without realizing that we aren't actually a business. If you heard my last guest episode with Luann Nigera, hi Luann, then you heard her say, you don't have a business, you have a you. And she was talking about how so many times like money's kind of shuffling in and out, but we don't know where it's going or what's happening. And Veronica's evolution as a designer and as a businesswoman is a testament to that same sentiment. As she shares her story of working hard but hardly seeing a profit, she turned those hardships into lessons and those lessons into a thriving business, including mentorship for other designers finding their way. I mean, she really nails it when she says that this was her 10-year journey to overnight success because there really is no such thing as quote-unquote overnight success. Instead, it's a lot of hard work, sometimes some failures, in the trenches. Are you currently in your season of being in the trenches on your way to overnight success? What lessons are you finding in the middle of your mess? Are you charging your worth? Are you paying yourself an actual salary? Are you setting up your services? How are you setting up your services? Is your business set up to be profitable? All it takes is one aha moment to completely change your relationship with money, with business matters, and with being a CEO. So the question is, are you the CEO of your business and are you acting like it? I'd love to hear where you land on this topic because it's a good one. And I know that these are some common concerns and tough ones to tackle. So while you're listening, be sure to take a screenshot and tag at us at The Design Influence and also tag Veronica at Casa Valora. Drop your light bulb moment in the comments, your aha moments, and also your questions. But speaking of questions, if you have not already subscribed to the show, you are going to want to do so now because this is not the last time I'm going to be hanging out with Veronica. She will actually be back for another Q&LB episode. And in case you're scratching your head like, what is a Q&LB episode? My last one was with Morgan Molitor. Hey, Morgan. So you can check that one out to get an idea of how that works. But like I said, you're definitely going to want to subscribe so you know when that episode drops. Thank you again for hanging out with me today. I hope you guys 
found this one to be as amazing as I did while recording it. And thank you for making me a part of your day. Scratchy voice and all. I will catch you guys next time and hopefully sounding way better. Bye.